Today is Sunday, July 29th, 2018, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman this week. Episode 273 featuring Celtics blog's Andrew Doxey is brought to you by Hymns. My listeners get a special trial month of Hymns for just 5 bucks by going to 4 slash Celtics. When you think of everything, like Jabari Bird probably signals that the roster is probably set at this point. Now, barring either like a Friends-like video that somebody put on the internet the other day and absolutely took down the internet, or we have an Instagram video of guys working out, we've officially, I think, folks, hit the boring part of the offseason for Celtics fans, which actually is kind of a relief considering how crazy it's been over the past two years. Evan Valenti filling in for Adam Kaufman. He'll be back next week uh, here on Celtics Beat. You'll find out who the guest is going to be. Before we get to Celtics Blogs, Andrew Doxy, quick reminder, folks, that you're going to want to subscribe to this show. Make sure you go on iTunes, leave us a rating, a review, all that fun stuff, but subscribe to the show to get more from myself and, more importantly, more from Adam Kaufman throughout the rest of the offseason and, of course, 2018-2019. Again, we'll get to Andrew Doxy from Celtics Blog, our featured guest for this week in a little bit. But, you know, speaking of videos, we're talking about the Friends video that went viral this past weekend. There was a video earlier in the week that I kind of want to address. I think a lot of you have probably heard at this point, but I kind of just want to address it because there's some stuff in here that I think needs a little bit of a clarification. And uh, I think a lot of you have probably heard this, but this comes via Chris Carter in Fox Sports 1. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him play because um, I think people over a short period of time, they forget who players are. Boston, their roster, the way we saw them playing against Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Final without Gordon and without Kyrie, I mean, who is Gordon Hayward? If he had played last season, and it averaged in double figures, anything over 10 points. It's been the seventh straight season in the NBA after his first season as a high draft pick from Butler, averaging five points. So there's only been a few players that have had that type of steady growth. I think he's one of 13 players that have seen his scoring average over the first seven seasons increase. So he is a special player. Okay, Chris Carter, I'm, I'm with you. Some good nuggets there. Someone that improves his scoring average year to year is someone, you know, I don't know. I might want to take a, a chance on it. I might want to have on the team. He is a special player, but... Oh, boy. But he's not a high-volume shooter. Uh, okay, here's here's the first problem. Pretty sure, CC, the last thing this Celtics need is a high-volume shooter. There's not a lot of shots Really to go around at this point. Also, are we really, really complaining about a guy scoring 22 to game on not a lot of shots? Is that something that we've started to complain about? Are we at this point in the offseason? Because this, this is this, this news, this just news to me. But he's not a high-volume shooter. Most shots he's ever taken, a little short of 16. Most shots he's ever taken in a game. That was in the last year in Utah. Here's a list of guys that scored 22 points a game last year on 16 shots or less. Jimmy Butler. That's it. Again, are we really complaining about a guy that scores a lot of points efficiently? <laughs> what a world. It was in the last year in Utah. So for me, coming from Butler, the head coach of the Celtics is from Butler. Right. I believe he's a system player. How in the hell 
Did we get here? He played for three different head coaches in Utah. His first year he spent with Jerry Sloan as a rookie. Body really wasn't ready yet, but filled a role. Shot the ball extremely well in the limited t- uh, opportunities he had, uh, especially from three-point range. 47% from three, only one attempt. But still, pretty good number from that area. Then under Ty Corbin, he went from scoring five a game to 16 and became a facilitator, averaging five assists per game last year. that last year with Corbin. Then Quinn Snyder comes in. He blossoms into this efficient scorer and a playmaker that can switch defensively. He's a system player in the fact that he fits every system. I also believe that late in games, he does work. He, he's not an all-star, but he's a marginal like all-star player. I'm just going on record right now, right here, okay? If Gordon Hayward plays the amount of games he needs to play to make the team, I guarantee you he will be an all-star. No question about it. That he can get you buckets, he can get you calls at the end of the game, and you need forwards, wing guys to be able to defend. I believe he's going to be just a different version of Al Horford, what he did for him last year. Be able to score from all three different levels. He's got to be able to improve his three-point shot. Shot 40% as last year in Utah. Reports are he's improved as a shooter. Can't say for sure. We haven't seen him in the game yet, but... He is working with Drew Hanlon, so it wouldn't shock me, right, if he's gotten a little bit better in that area. Plus, he's had a little bit of free time lately. I believe he's a good player, and because he already has a max deal, he don't have anything to prove. So I like the fact, and I believe he is a difference maker and what's going to make the Celtics a special team. Agree with that last sentiment, CeCe. That's a, there was some stuff in there that made me think that Chris Carter has actually never watched Gordon Hayward play in his life, but... You know, ultimately, thankfully, come came back to the consensus that everybody's gotten to. The Celtics can be a really special team next year. You know, and thanks to that Friends video that they made around this weekend, I, I really honestly just cannot wait for the season to start. Too bad it's just too far away right now. All right, so let's welcome in our guest, Andrew Doxy from Celtics Blog. And, Andrew, before we get going, you know, they, they say in life, buddy, like timing is everything. And I think that really applies to you personally, I don't mean to like project anything on you, but I think it applies to you because like you're hitting this, I think, at the right time for like your specific like brand, right? The NBA has never <laughs> been more popular, right? And you have the Celtics are near the top of the NBA world, and this anime crossover is like right in your wheelhouse. This NBA Celtics anime thing that you and Sheehan have going on, I think, is incredible. Yeah, you know, I I never would have expected that my brand would ever be mainstream. I guess here we are. Um, I, I've been an anime thing for decade, a decade now, but now that it's getting popular, it's it's really funny. Like people me out of nowhere asking me for anime suggestions, and I'm you know I used to be still am like incredibly happy whenever anybody asked me about anime. So now it's like a daily thing, which is incredibly and cool to me. Oh so, yeah, and, and, and the fact that it even relates to the Celtics is is huge. You and you and Sam Sheehan, who who does a lot of stuff for CLNS, and I do some work with on our, our podcast called Something's Roundtable. Like you guys go on these like twenty you know tweet long threads of <laughs> anime and Danganronpa and all this stuff that I just can't quite keep up with, and I'm just like, oh man, I wish I knew. I feel like I'm left out. Like honestly, I have no ambition to play that video game, but yet his, his I don't know he has like some weird way to make me think about wanting to play, but then I'm like, no, I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because you say that you can't keep up. I'm in the thread and I can't keep up because <laughs> sometimes I remember one time I tweeted I tweeted I don't know what to eat 
and somehow it turned to a four tweet long thread, you know, with like five or six people about anime. I was like, I how did this even start I was talking about my food? I think I was talking like public or something like that. And and somehow it turned into, you know, Sam convinced me to play that game. I don't want to get in there, but I'll hold your breath, Sam. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, like, you know, it's been kind of a lack, considering what the Celtics have done the last two offseasons, a pretty lackluster offseason. The only thing that really caused any tension was the Marcus Smart deal? When was it going to happen? When was it not going to happen? You know what? You know, Danny wasn't communicating at all. But some of the stuff that's come out recently in the about from the off season, like the number one thing I think that a lot of people attached themselves to is when you know Woj drops in the middle of nowhere this bomb about how Isaiah had called Danny Ainge, you know, at some point during the off season and said, "Hey, is there any?" or texted him, "Is there any interest in bringing me back to Boston?" and you know, obviously, everybody I think still has somewhat of a soft spot, you know, for for Isaiah and what he went through and what he gave to this, the franchise. But in your mind, Andrew, like, what would you need the Celtics roster to look like to bring Isaiah back? Because obviously, with with Rozier and Kyrie and Jalen and Smart and even like Jabari, there's just too many guards, too many guys for Isaiah to get really any playing time to be effective. I think we we would have had here, I think, and and at that point, I would have been fine with him coming back. But with Terry and Marcus on the roster, and Terry, like you said, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been a fan of him. just because it, it kind of complicates things for for no reason. At the same time, even with even after trading Rozier, I don't think that that would have panned out in the way that a lot of Celtics fans would think. Because I mean, I'm not saying that Isaiah is like a very you know extremely proud person to the point of detriment. But I know that you know based on my you know two years ago, he would have been upset being on the bench in the fourth quarter. But basically, we have our five best players in our starting lineup, and usually that's what's going to be what's going to be our closing lineup without you know, with or without Marcus Smart, it's winning plays like that. But you know, I, I don't see a spot for Isaiah Thomas crunch time, which I'm sure would get on his nerves as the season would wear on. Now, Denver he has the opportunity to step in; the situation demands it on the stretch in late, late in games. So I think that's a much better fit for him. But even if we traded Rozier, I don't see it on the floor at crunch time, like especially against elite teams. Even with IT, without IT there, like there's obviously going to be some ruffled feathers maybe at the end of games and in crunch time where there's going to be there's only so much ball that can go around, right? There's only there's Kyrie obviously dominates the ball a lot in the way Tatum has emerged. He needs he's going to need the ball a little bit, right? And with Hayward and with Brown and there's Marcus Smart and Rozier off the bench and like where does Al Horford's shot come from? So even with like, is this a problem for you? Like I don't, I haven't, I've, I've tried to figure out if this is really bothering me yet to the point where like Boston has too many good players that they might need to get rid of a guy just to to balance out everything a little bit more. But when it comes back to it, you look at Golden State and you're like, well, you just need as many horses as humanly possible to beat that team. So even if there, quote unquote, isn't enough ball to go around, the more firepower you have the better off you are against Golden State because you have to try and keep up with their offense, and their offense is impossible. Yeah, I think uh, well, it's certainly a good problem to have. You know, you'd rather have too many good players as opposed to, you know, no talent. But I, I and I also think that it could be a worse problem with a different group of guys because you know ego plays into it, attitude and all that. But it, from what I've seen from this past season and and the guys that we have on the roster and and how they've approached. You know the whole situation that you know with this team since it was built last August. 
I, it looks like everybody's buying into the fact that they just want to win a championship, which, you know, that's that's what you want out, out of a team with so much talent. Um, so hopefully we won't run into too many issues with character and, you know, ego and things like that. I think um, as opposed to for the majority of last season, we kind of had a set closing lineup. Um, I think this year we might just have to go with not having a set closing lineup and just go with whoever's hot. So one night it might be Kyrie, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and, and Horford. Another night it might be Kyrie, Smart, uh, Brown, Mook, and, and Horford. I think Horford's probably the Horford and Kyrie are probably going to be the only two set guys in, in the closing lineup, and maybe Hayward too. I, I just think that we're probably going to stick with whatever is working. Uh, because that way, you know, you can manage egos as the season goes on. But, you know, you could say, hey, you were in the closing lineup three games ago and, you know, things like that. So I think that just might be the direction that Brad goes in. Well, you think about uh, they've always – what I liked about this team last year was how multiple they were, meaning they could, you know, roll out a starting five against one team and then a different starting five against another team and have success against both of those teams. And, and as you look towards, you know, this ever-changing NBA landscape where guys are moving around all the time – you know, having guys that are versatile is becoming more important. Like, even with Jabari Bird. Like, I made this point uh, the other day on our on our, a different podcast. Like, with Jabari Bird, like, why – like, first off, Jabari Bird is better for the Celtics because he's way more memeable than Abdul Nader ever was, <laughs> which is very important, right? But objectively, thing, objectively, that's the most important. Yes, thing. absolutely, right? We, we don't care about your t- on-the-court things. We want to see if we can meme <laughs> you off the court. Like, my buddy Lucky's Pipe did a great – uh, Animorphs <laughs> thing with Jabari Bird turning into like an eagle, which I think was really yeah. great. Um, but you have like this team with like just as Jabari is an example, right? Like Abdul Nader's one job was to come in and like hit open shots, whereas Jabari Bird can be asked to do a couple other things. Like he can come in, he can shoot, obviously, but he gives, he's a good slasher. He brings a lot of energy to the floor. He's a good defender. He hustles. He rebounds. Like they, they value versatility on the entire roster. So like when you when you look at Boston and they and they match up against certain teams, like they might I, I agree with this. They they might throw a whole different lineup one night out there against you know the Knicks, and the next night they're playing you know uh, Toronto, and they have a completely different starting five because you know this like Baines works better here, and and Horford works better at the four here. Like they just have so many multiple uh, ways to go about it. And I really think. That's really the key to what Boston's success is going to be. That's kind of the key to Golden State, right? They have that death yeah. lineup, but that death lineup works because Durant's seven feet tall, and they can still play small with having it big at the floor at the same time. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that that that's going to be the way to to manage, like I mentioned earlier, with the closing lineup, even with starting lineup and and managing minutes, is just having it matchup base, which is, again, a, a good thing to have as an elite team is that you have that versatility to play against anyone. I think last last year on the roster, we only had, like, four players who were not versatile, like Shane Larkin, Greg Monroe, Aaron Baines, and um, Abdel Nader. So I think that now, you know, you got rid of three of those guys. Aaron Baines is is starting to shoot threes, which, you know, adds to his versatility. So the roster has evolved in a way to add even more possibilities to how Brad can manage them together and, and get the best attack on the floor and best defense and everything. Yeah, I think a lot of this is on Brad. I think a lot of, like, managing egos and managing minutes is going to be on Brad, and you're going to really find out um, how good of a genius Brad is. Um, but, like, to, to kind of bring it back to Isaiah Thomas for a minute, like, Jeff Goodman had – like, I produced Jeff's podcast, so – 
we had um, Frank Kaminsky on this week, and at the end of the podcast, Jeff was doing this like monologue, and he was talking about how not everybody liked playing with Isaiah Thomas, who was on the Celtics while Isaiah was there. Um, and you think about because he was he's a ball dominant player, and the one thing that people have brought up is like, well, you know, Kyrie and Isaiah really aren't that different. In your eyes, Andrew, how are Kyrie and Isaiah different other than just size? Well, okay, for just disclaimer, I'm not going to claim to know anything about these guys' personalities or off-court or anything like that. But from what I can see from my perspective, it looks like, and, and this is not a knock on Isaiah either, but Kyrie has not been, I, I guess maybe the, the Brinks truck comments might have rubbed some Celtics players you know, the wrong way. I'm not going to, I don't have any information on that, if, if they you know, did dislike playing against them or not. But that's something that if I were a teammate, you know, it, under certain circumstances, maybe it would be frustrating. I know the, the way that, you know, we kind of made a big deal out of the, I, the Isaiah trade and everything like that and getting Gordon Hayward. But we, you know, there wasn't a lot of noise made for Avery Bradley because they had to just get rid of him to make room for Hayward. And, you know, sometimes you want to see your teammates stick up for other, other players like that and things like that. But I, I don't know. But Kyrie, it looks like he's really taken on this mentorship role. In you know, in all the interviews, he's always praising Terry Rozier. He's always praising Smart. He's always. Uh, it looks like in his interviews and and how he talks to the media, he's always putting the team first. Not to say that Isaiah didn't do that, but Kyrie is really focused on that. Even when it comes to talking about his free agency, he's never saying like, you know, I'm about to get paid. You know, they better you know roll out that mass contract for me. Like I never hear that from 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 Kyrie. So I, I'm not saying, you know, definitively or dogmatically what it is or what it isn't. But from from my perspective, that might be the difference is just the off-court intangibles and how uh, Kyrie and Isaiah, you know, relate to the media and how they speak to the media about what goes on with the team and everything like that. I do think they're slightly, slightly different players. I mean, again, we only saw a couple of months of Kyrie and, and you know, obviously Kyrie is one of the, the best players around, I think. I think the one thing – I think uh, – um, Alex Kungu had that great like threat of of what you saw live this year that really shocked you, right? Now my answer to that was going to a game live and seeing Kyrie is a completely different experience. Like you watch him on TV and it's cool, but watching Kyrie in person, you're like, geez, this guy does all this stuff. This is un-. like I saw the game where I was at the game where Giannis dropped forty. It was Greek night at the TD Garden, and yeah. and Kyrie hit the hard like the most difficult shot I've ever seen anybody in a game hit. At the end of the game, to ice it, I was like, it was like a, "Until the next game." Yeah, right. And then, yeah, exactly. Right, right. It's exactly what he does. Quick break from Andrew to tell you that today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Hims. Hims is a brand new wellness plan for men. Guys, talking to you out there, how many of you are scared of hair loss? I would guess a lot of you, considering sixty-six percent of men lose their hair by age thirty-five. Stop procrastinating and stop turning to weird hair loss solutions because Hims is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. And the best part about Hims is that they connect you to real doctors to treat your hair loss with the actual medical-grade solutions. We're not talking about concoctions you make at home. We're not talking about weird things that you buy from that weird dude at the mall, the kiosk in the middle of the uh, the hallway there. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now. Sign up super easy. Just answer a few quick questions and a doctor will be assigned to you. Products are shipped directly to your door. You don't have to wait in line for hours. Let Hims. 
come to you. And my listeners get a special trial month of Pims for just five bucks today while supplies last. See your website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to a local pharmacy. Just use my promo code Celtics or go to forhims.com slash Celtics for five dollar trial month of Pims. Again, that is forhims.com slash Celtics. Back to Doxy. You know, one of the big storylines this offseason too has been, you know, Kyrie's desire to stay in Boston long term and it's been questioned but you had I think a couple weeks ago or maybe two weeks ago Steve Bullpet buried it in a column on Thursday where it was like yeah Boston and Kyrie have talked and there seems to be a little bit of traction and maybe Kyrie staying long term you know Adam Kaufman who usually hosts this show had Alex Kennedy on last week and Kennedy was talking about the whole Jimmy Butler Kyrie team up and he went and said that the stuff that he hears about the Jimmy Butler Kyrie team up in New York really is only coming from Jimmy Butler's camp. It's not really coming from Kyrie. You hear all this stuff about Jimmy. Jimmy wants to do this. Jimmy wants to do this. And he wants to team with this player. wants to go back to the Eastern Conference. But none of that's really coming from Kyrie. Do you have any concerns about Kyrie in Boston long term? Or are you like me and I think that the, the marriage between Kyrie, Boston, Brad, and, and Danny is just too perfect? I, I think I have no concerns whatsoever. Kyrie is going to be a Celtic next offseason, or at, you know, next summer. He's going to resign with Boston. You you heard it here first. Uh, but in, on a serious note, like I I don't. There's nothing about these reports that that makes enough sense for it, for me to go like you know, hey, you know, maybe that's it. And of course, you know, NBA offseason, anything could happen. A lot of nonsensical things have happened before, but not to the sense like we. Kyrie left a championship contender in Cleveland, but for a number of other reasons besides the fact that they were championship contenders. Like, there were a number of off-court reasons, and he alluded to such in all of the interviews after the trade where it's not about just the product on, you know, on, on the court, right? But he also says that he wants to win. So why would he leave a situation where the off-court stuff is, is to his satisfaction and they have a championship contending team for the foreseeable future? Because, you know, at least even with Cleveland, if you just look at the basketball aspect, Kyrie and, you know, everybody knew that LeBron was leaving. I mean, you know, not for sure, but that was a very large possibility. And as soon as LeBron leaves, that team is not a championship contender. So even just from a purely basketball standpoint, there, there wasn't a lot of longevity in being a championship contender for, uh, in Cleveland. He comes to Boston, the Celtics are set up to be at least, at, at the very least, playoff contenders for the next eight years. At the very least. And so, you, you know, you add Kyrie to that as a championship contending team for the next who knows how, how many years, in addition to the fact that he loves he loves coming to work. He loves all the off-court stuff. He loves being in Boston. So I don't see why he would leave that to go play for a lottery team for less money. Right. At that. Right. For not, not like a crazy amount of money, but, you know, considerably less money um, than he yeah, could get in Boston. I mean, <laughs> In the, in I mean, the, double digit millions is, is is still a lot of money. Yeah, even the, for a millionaire. I can't. Yeah, I can't even fathom saying like the what the 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 contract that Kawhi just turned down from San. Well, the the supermax that he could have gotten from San Antonio. That's I can't absurd. Ima- I can't imagine saying no to that, but, but Kawhi basically just <laughs> did. So, but like to get back to Kyrie, like the like Jeff Goodman had um, David Griffin on, and the one thing that I don't think it's a lot of mention when it comes to like is Kyrie staying in Boston is Griff was talking about. When LeBron was came back to Cleveland that summer, when they didn't know that he was going back to that he was coming back to Cleveland, but they you know they planned on you know if, if it were possible that he was on their board, obviously he's on everybody's board, um, but they had obviously a plan C, a plan B, a plan D, F, G, whatever, 
And one of the, you know, they let Kyrie go out and kind of lead the recruiting pitch to bring guys to Cleveland. I think Gordon Hayward was one of the guys that Kyrie targeted um, that yeah. offseason to bring to Cleveland. And then all of a sudden, the rug gets kind of pulled out underneath him because LeBron's like, oh, I want to go back. And now <laughs> Kyrie went from having a voice in how this team works and functions to not having one at all whatsoever because when, when LeBron comes, like, you do what LeBron says because he's yeah. the best player in the world. So, you know, I think another thing that's not getting factored into this, is, and he, I don't know if he would have this in quote-unquote New York or wherever the hell him and Jimmy Butler would want to go. <laughs> um, but, like, the one thing that Kyrie will have, and, and Brad has said this, it's kind of one of my favorite things about Brad is how he empowers literally everybody on the team to have a voice in yeah. things that they do. Like, it could be Kyrie to down a Jabari Bird. Like, everybody's voice matters. We're in this together. We're in this as a team. And Kyrie, as a guy who's looking to have – some of a prominent voice in on this team and in this franchise. Like now, he gets to have say say, say in things and in how well, what plays get run and and what guys they might target next year and this and that. So I think I think Kyrie again went from a team in Cleveland he won he won a title like you can't you can't knock that he hit the biggest shot probably in Cleveland history and now he's yeah. on his own and I think this is the, his ideal situation where and he talked about how you know he wants to grow as a basketball player. I'm not sure if there's anybody better than Brad Stevens to help you grow as a basketball player because yeah. that Brad bump is real like I think it's real I mean it got Jordan Crawford paid it got Abdul Nader a spot on the Thunder I mean I just think it's uh it's undeniable at this point and and the reverse is true the, the Brad Stevens cliff that people dive off of when they leave the Celtics yeah Evan Turner maybe so. <laughs> oh, I love Evan Turner hey. though I don't want to oh, yeah, he got paid. I mean I mean everybody I mean Jay Crowder is not a bad player by any means but no. he's not having the same impact Avery Bradley same thing Although Jay and Jay in Utah was a little bit better than Jay in um, in Cleveland for sure. He well, looked, every, looked a lot know, better. Everybody looked better after leaving. That's Cleveland. that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie looked better after leaving Cleveland. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. I, I think that's too early on that. Too early. But the 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 really uh, you know if you dive deeper into the numbers, like the, he he is slightly different in in Boston and, and slightly more efficient, which gets me very excited. Um, you also, wrote, one thing I noticed about Kyrie, the difference between Cleveland and Boston is defensive intensity, right? Because he would he he. Kyrie's not a bad, not like he's not like a terrible defender. And and in the playoffs every year in Cleveland, he would step up his defensive aggression from the regular season to the playoffs. But this season, what I noticed is that right from the jump, he he had the same defensive attitude that he had in the play, like in those long playoff runs in Cleveland. So he kind of bought into playing defense in earlier game, you know, in the regular season, which that's that's impressive enough to me that he would, you know. I had put put forth that effort, especially as a leader for a team full of you know young guys, first and second year players. You wrote something recently for Celtics blog that talked about how Boston could be a top five offensive and defensive team. If Boston were to not be a top five in either direction, which one do you think it is? Offense. Really? See, I, yeah. I think I think the opposite. I think they could be easily a top five offensive team, and I'm not quite sure that if the the defense will be there still because like. When Hayward, like, I thought, like, and I hate this thing where you watch preseason games and try and make judgments, but I, watching the Celtics this last preseason with everybody on the floor, and even Tatum not even there yet, I was watching the team being like, wow, this is a really, really high-octane offense here. <laughs> with yep. the, like, I forget who had the clip the other day. was like, if you're feeling terrible, watch this clip of everybody <laughs> yeah, on the Celtics like scoring in, 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 like, in, like, secession and literally wiping the floor with, with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, but yeah. the way they moved the ball was, like, 
glaringly obvious that this team offensively is just going to be very, 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 very good. And defensively, like, depends on a couple of guys. But I, I think now that we know that Tatum's good at defense, Brown has really gone to another level, and Hayward's a really good defender, and Al Horford is probably the most underrated defender in the league. Um, I, I think they're more likely to be a top-five offensive team than a defensive team just because of the way this offense hums uh, and how many guys well, can throw at you. I To be fair, I... I I still wholeheartedly believe they'll be top five in both, but the reason I I chose for certainty defense is because there's less variance in in how you you know like with with offense you have to end up making the shot right, which that's 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 how your your offense is graded uh, in all sorts of metrics right. So and it's a make miss league, so it's 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 much easier to count on good defensive fundamentals than shot making ability just numbers wise. Um, especially with the personnel that we have, you're adding another six, eight plus swingmen with a long wingspan to to a lineup that's already full of those. So I, I, for me, it just feels like more of a sure thing because you don't have to worry about shot making, which I'm still traumatized by last year's Celtics by not making shots at the most crucial moment, which could have put us in the finals. But I I definitely believe we'll be top five in both categories. Yeah, next season. I uh, I do too. I do. I and especially with the way the East is set up, where it's just gonna be like a cakewalk almost yep. every single night, and it's just gonna be glorious, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll get out of this last one. We'll make this kind of fun. Um, as a guy that you know grew up during, you know, and, and my earliest basketball memories are like late '90s, early 2000s, right? I mean, I'm 28, but you know the stuff that happened, you know, 90 to 98, 99 is stuff that I just don't remember. But you know, two of my top players to ever watch and I know one of them is gonna be a little controversial but like as a fan like I I get really excited over the two young guys in the Celtics Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown working out with two of my favorite players and Kobe Bryant and T-Mac during the (laughs) offseason uh like I just think the like I do think that both these guys and 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 Simmons Bill Simmons has mentioned this a bunch like these guys come into the league now way more polished than guys their age have ever done it like to have the respect of Kobe and T Mac as guys that are second and third year players, I think speaks volumes to what Boston has already built in a short amount of time. Andrew, yeah, I, I definitely agree, uh, especially especially Kobe because you know Kobe Kobe doesn't see the court that much these days. He's too busy getting Oscars. So for, <laughs> for for Jason Tatum to you know to even get his attention and, and to to set up workouts with him and, and kind of take on a mentor role, which you know even for the Celtics purists, that's kind of gross, but. Um, it, it's cool to see from an NBA fan perspective, uh, seeing Jason Tatum, you know, working with, and that's the thing, like, I know as Celtics fans, we, we like to discount Kobe generally just because that's how it works. But in the end, Kobe was a really great player, you know, no matter what gripes you have with his passing or field goal percentage or whatever, um, he ended up, he's, he's a great player. He's an all timer. So if, if Jason Tatum, if that was what he reached as a player, then there's it's, it's hard to complain at any point about Jason Tatum's career um, on on the court. Somebody, so if, yeah, right on the court. <laughs> we would, we'd, we'd, <laughs> I, I made the joke that that Kobe Bryant was getting women respecting lessons from uh, from Tatum in that and that's and that's uh, that little meet up there. Yeah, it wasn't. It only they only did it on the court just for looks, but really he was yeah. teaching him how to respect single yeah. mothers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, the funny about Kobe, though, was somebody showed him that, that Jason Tatum-Kobe mashup, and he was like, why the hell didn't the Lakers draft this kid? Like, 
<laughs> Which I you love, think, obviously. Right. right. They were locked in on Lonzo, though. Uh, Lavar yeah. spoken into existence. I'll give. It's been the the year of speaking into existence from Lavar Ball all the way to the Riffs man with Robert Williams. <laughs> I will sure. say though, Lavar Ball did mess up with Leandro. He yeah, did try right. to speak that one, but yeah. But the Riffs man is undefeated. Yeah, as, still undefeated. as we've seen. You got Croatia in the in the final of the World Cup. It's, it's, I can't wait to see what he has in store for us this year. Andrew Doxy <laughs> from Celtics Blog. Appreciate the time, man. Uh, you can where can we uh, find you on Twitter, on the internet, on uh, on Celtics Blog, all that stuff. Uh, you can find me at Celtics Blog, uh, and you can also get me on Twitter and Paradoxy11, P A R A D O X Y one one. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, great stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, for sure. And that will do it for this episode of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media. Again, a big shout out to my guest for today, for this episode, Andrew Doxy of Celtics Blog. I want to thank you guys out there for listening to this show. Again, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes and on Stitcher. Leave us a rating and a review. Helps us out a lot with feedback, trying to make the show better. Again, Adam Coffin will be back next week with another great guest. Not sure who it is, but I guarantee it's going to be a great show. Again, shout out to Nick Gelso, our CEO, Larry H. Russell, uh, John, everyone that's involved with this show. Thank you so much for, uh, for helping me out. Again, thanks to you guys at home listening, wherever you're listening. Gino, let's get out of here.